hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello and welcome to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I've got a lot better at that since the last time we did this. I am here today with a returning guest, proof that I do not scare people away entirely. Comrade Westmas, say hello. Hello, I have been scared away. I'm being held at gunpoint. Please help. At the end of the last one, I said, oh, I really want you to come back. Do you remember what you said? No. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. And that's how it ends. That's literally how the whole thing ends. I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, so people think we hate each other now. We do. Mm. Uh, uh, Obviously, this is the commentary podcast where you choose the story that you want to talk about. So what story are we talking about today and why did you not choose it? Yeah, I didn't choose this because um, so we did Kinder last time, and I remember I think we said uh, we were talking about like weird stories. I could love a weird story, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe Greatest Show might be good, um, but I thought it might be too similar to do something a bit weird. So I thought I challenged myself a bit, and basically Nathan Nathan Bottomley, who you had on, who's a bit of a genius, he recorded one. He's recorded one that he really didn't yeah, like. Yeah, Resurrection of the Daleks. Right, which is very really challenging. I'm not quite that. Uh, bold, but I thought what I would do is throw it open to Twitter. Maybe well, I'm quite bold, but um, <laughs> yeah, so, very. So, so a little poll on the whole of we did the poll, the whole of classic, did the narrows it down thing, and it came down to Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, so this has been chosen for us to listen to watch. I, so, I watched those polls with a growing sense of unease as they started to narrow in on the river. And then I remember messaging you about an hour before the last poll was due to close, going, Oh, God, we're going to have to watch Revenge of the Cybermen, aren't we? But then I just I decided to turn my thinking around and consider that um, a joy because it's not one I've really enjoyed in the past. How about you? Um, I, I've enjoyed it very much in the past, very, very long time, a long, very, like a long time ago in the past, because um, I first saw it when I was four. Um, so I've got history with, with this story. So I'm interested to see now. I think maybe that, re- that, that, like, it. I mean, they're kind of pitching it at a four-year-old, aren't they? So you're like the perfect age for this. <laughs> yeah. So yes, that's um. Yeah, I go. I go a long, long way back with this story. Um, I have two questions before we start. One, mm. people will be familiar with you. Some people, uh, with the if they are listening to Big Finish Audios, tell me a little bit about what you did there. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So people are familiar with, familiar with me a lot of the time, very over familiar. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, I did uh, I worked with Big Finish a lot like about, it's coming up 20 years ago. Um, first on a Peter Davison story called Omega, um, and for, which I really enjoyed doing. And then uh, I was hired back to be a companion called Kerry's uh, with the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, and uh, India Fisher playing Charlie. And we did that for. I think it was about five-ish years. And it was a fair so, run, wasn't it? It was quite a, a long run. Yeah. And um, and it was um, and I got to do lots of other things as well. So I got to do uh, Bernice Summerfield, Gallifrey, and uh, Iris Wildtime, a couple of little a couple of spin-offs, one one with Doctor Who magazine. I um, Colin Baker. So I was really lucky. I did about twenty odd in all. So I uh, I have reviewed like the entirety of Be Finished, certainly from those early years. And yeah. I can remember being like, that's careers. That's careers. Like when I was, I was listening to all these spin off stories from like other ranges. Um, but there was a lot of that, wasn't it? There? there was a lot of yeah, using people in, in different ranges. Yeah. 
yeah, it was brilliant. You got, got to work with a lot of people and, and a lot of writers, a lot of actors, lots, all sorts in a very short space of time. It was fabulous really, stories about yeah, it as well. Really but, good but fun. We'll save that for another time. Um, and if people were going to look for you on social media, on Twitter, where would they find you? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at hair of the hound underscore. And trust me, go and follow that man. There are, I tell you, what, I think you're like the the master of gifts, gifts, gifs. I'm not sure how you say it. Who knows gifts? I don't know, but they make me howl. Like sometimes you, you're having a dialogue with somebody else, and it's just gifs going back and forth. Yeah, you've got to up your game on Twitter because the Doctor Who fans are a bloody clever bunch. Yeah. They're really good on the gifs, so you do learn very quickly how to how to reply very quickly and in in the, in the medium of gif or gif or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's good fun. We love the choices. I am queued up and ready to go if you are. Oh, so am I. Right. Yikes. Okay, let's head to Voga. Uh, so Twitter, uh, this is all your fault. Yeah. For what we are about to receive, may you be <laughs> truly thankful. Um, so let's go. In five, four, three, two. Are you ready? Okay, go. <laughs> Seamless. They're absolutely seamless. So when did you first see this story? So I was a nipper at the time, just watching this on the telly. When would you have seen this? When it came out on VHS, but like, you know, like the last version on VHS. Like okay. a ready orangey sort of cover. It was like a oh, late yeah, story 90s. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was one of the later ones they brought out. I think it was, yeah. I think it was about 99 or something, like really late. Um, Which is interesting, given it's one of the no, it was the first VHS that was brought out originally, wasn't it? I remember it well. That was a good Christmas. Okay, I'm gonna point out something straight away here. The beacon yeah. is being shot on film in Revenge of the Cybermen, and it looks so much better than it did in the Ark in Space, where it was on video. Wow! Thank you. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Thank the you. Technical commentary that. begins here. We love that. And here are three. <laughs> Being oh. on the I'm just laughing because it just makes me so happy. The arrival of these three, it just takes me right back to 1975 when uh, little me, age four, would have been sitting down on Saturday night watching The Adventures of Dog 2 and Friends. So this already puts me in a very happy place. Now, we were, we, were um, so we had Adric, Tegan, and Nissa in the previous story mm -hmm. we talked about. Here we have Sarah and Harry. Mm -hmm. For me, this is like the dream team for me, these three. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. I wish they'd had more together, but um, yeah, me too. What a what a wonderful mixture. They just really, really work, and there are some lovely. Although they're not fully in their stride by this stage, there is there are not even the beginnings. There's just some really good character stuff between the three of them that the clearly the actors have worked I, out. I, they um, adore each other, don't they? There's bits between Sarah and Harry later where they're tied up together. It's like some hilarious sitcom you're watching yeah they are just fantastic i think harry probably uh suffers a little because both i mean pertwee and tom baker are pretty, pretty, both pretty physical actors so you don't yeah. necessarily need someone to do the heavy lifting as much i think it um, like probably. philip hinchcliffe like um demanded that he was written out because he wasn't really needed for the reason you just said there uh but has gone on record later saying he kind of regrets that because clearly there was some great chemistry going on here. Yeah, Ian Martin brings it is brilliant. He's he did this kind of slightly 
uh, I don't know, because he's, he's clearly very, you know, he's very successful as a naval officer and a doctor and all this kind of stuff, and is well, a well-educated man, but he's just got that slight, I don't know, what is it? What is it? A slight, not buffoonery, because he's not a buffoon. Terence Dick says he's like Bulldog Drummond, but I think that's doing him a bit too much of a, a service there. Yeah. I love his, like, he's... outrageous sexism. Like, because it's played entirely for laughs and the joke's on him. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a received, you know, it's, it's nothing not malicious at all. He's just got this very received, just way of talking, you yeah. know, calling Sarah old girl, all this kind of stuff. It's just, There's so a line in Arkin's face where he's like, was it, imagine one of the fairer sex being top of a totem pole. It's, <laughs> uh, it's dreadful, like, as a line, but he, oh, he delivers it so brilliantly. Yeah. And, and then, and, yeah, he would have spoken, like, someone like that would have absolutely, that's how they spoke about people. And it's, uh, and, and, they, and he gets teased mercilessly about it, which is great. I don't um, know if you... But he's just super charming. I don't even noticed a minute ago, but um, a, an actual human person that was dead fell through the door. But then when they went out into the corridor, all of those bodies were remarkably stiff, weren't they? Do you know why that was? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of bodies to be put in there, and you can't really populate them with people, so yes. But turn the lights down, <laughs> so we can't see that they're shiny mannequins. Yeah, that is tricky, but I mean, again, I, mean, I think I'll probably keep saying it. It's just, um, uh, do you know, I, read some, I heard something on a podcast the other day about how many people had black and white TVs opposed to colour TVs. Yeah. Apparently, I'm oh, sorry, I, I've got to try and remember which podcast this would have been now. I think it was, let's say it was Flight Through Entirety, <laughs> default. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but basically, look, the amount of TV, they looked at how many TV licences were in, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was the Power 3 podcast. Um, they were talking about how many uh, uh, TV licences in the 70s were black and white in colour. Um, and about 60, 70% of... TV licenses were for black and white TVs right up until mid late seventies. Wow, so it's, and actually, okay. it really made me think. Like, I'm fairly sure we didn't get a color TV until later. So I may well have watched this in yeah. black and white. Probably did. I, I wonder oh if it would God, be. It might. So no, odd. but it might be more atmospheric. There are certain. There are certain Doctor Who stories that would be far more atmospheric in black and white. The entirety Absolutely. of the Colin Baker era, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, okay, um, but yeah. So it's um, and, and also the, like the picture quality would have just been nowhere near it. So that stuff just didn't read as much. It just, it just, it just. I mean, I doubt anyone would have noticed. No. Well, and really. like like we, I think we said last time, like they were putting this out. It wasn't supposed to be scrutinised. It was supposed to be an entertaining piece of television on a Saturday yeah. night to be watched once. Yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, that sort of stuff oh, never no, really that, bothers me. I don't know why. Sorry, I'm trying to see what who's a person and who's a mannequin. That's a mannequin. <laughs> I know it's it's yeah. hard to tell. Are these yeah, um... well, well, that guy with it? Yeah, it, okay, you can start telling. Maybe I'm going to say it's perhaps the plague causes terrible rigor mortis <laughs> and it contorts its victim into strange things. Oh, you are kind, comrade. You are. There will be. I'll be using my head cannon a lot in this story. That's all. Okay. Uh, did oh that was a nice one um oh, did thanks. you spot a minute ago you could almost be like doctor who actor watch so you had commander stevenson who was played by ronald lee hunt who had yes. previously been in the seas of death as yeah. commander radnor and you had william marlowe as i forget his name stevenson is it 
and he'd previously been in the mind of evil as the thug in that that's in the prison i don't think uh jeremy wilkin had been in anything else but i think he was quite a big name in the 70s wasn't he the the blonde haired yeah i'm not sure what else he did but yeah i'm sure he was yeah i think i think he was in another one of the you know slightly embarrassing science fiction programs that came out in the 70s probably had jerry anson's name on it oh my words oh but i sorry that was an actual gasp for me you can tell okay there's a monster on screen it's a cyberman oh my goodness me i oh i love that thing it was just terrifying to me and it seems so uh, I don't know. I, I just, I think whenever you watch Dog TV, if you watched it when you were younger or at any point of your life, you you can't help but go back to the first time you saw it. Like if you, you know, we talked last yeah. year about like being in the 80s and seeing a lot of, you know, stuff where it was all a little bit campy and a bit mm-hmm. show busy. And as a serious, a serious teenager, you were just willing it to be feeling mortified and embarrassed because he wanted it to be serious. And at four that. years old, I think I, it's it's all good, isn't it? It's just all great. I'm four years old and I'm watching this and basically, so I'm thinking, oh, Doctor Who and Sarah and Harry are in space. They're on a spaceship. There's boring men talking, but there's a monster around. Yeah. And that's really... Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say something in Revenge of the Cybermen's favour now. I think that's my favourite Cybermat. <laughs> like, compared to the ones with the boggly eyes in the 60s and the dreadful Why one that was, that, in, that was in the Matt Smith episode like the weird teeth i like these ones they're a bit like um silverfish yes yeah yeah i guess so oh that's really funny to hear because most people don't would probably put this like we're now rating cybermats this is what this is how we want to spend the time today this is great and you Um, know what as well the cybermats encourage those stratospheric performances as they leap up and people have to hold on to them and try and pretend yeah, they're being be bitten. Ranking. We're going to be ranking <clears throat> managed to wrangle their Cybermat the best. Oh, you know, very... you know that's going to be Elizabeth Slayton. Of course we know. I mean, that's a masterclass of that. Anyway, that's going to be like I said. But yeah, is it, but is it, it's a good cast. It's like good actors generally across this with one exception, but he'll turn up later. Um, so we've got a bit of door action going on here. I love a bit of this. And they did this with Ark in Space as well. There was a whole, they managed to get a whole like five minute drama out of this uh, security like door, yeah, a, 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 you know, a lampshade, and they got a whole five minutes out of it. Now they get a whole five minutes out of the door. Look, I love the way Sarah screams and yelps as this all happens. She is even better. Elizabeth Sladen <laughs> has gone on record in countless news interviews and like where people say that you know you're just a screamer, and she said, "Do you know what? If I'm scared, I would scream." Absolutely. So I, I have There's... no shame in screaming as a Doctor Who girl. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a strange moment where, 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 where Tom glares at, where the doctor glares at Harry. Um, you know, she, he gives Sarah a big, big smile and then just glares at Harry. Like he's, it's all his fault. he's fairly abusive towards Harry sometimes. He's quite mean to Harry. It's, it's, at first, it's, I mean, like that moment, it's kind of a bit odd. But then again, that's, you know, that's part of Tom Baker's doctor starting to come through. That like, He's unpredictable and he's yeah. oh, lovely. You really stop seeing but like, I feel like Sarah can kind of get away with being a bit useless. But if Harry does it, it's you know, well later on he has an infamous quote. Yeah, well it's true. It's true. Yeah, Harry does have a bad time. Oh, but it's, um, here we go. We're on Voga. Let's talk about the Vogans. Mm. We talked about it a bit earlier because it wasn't. Um, well, I assume this would be John Freelander who did. I think like Draconians and, and Ogrons, uh, who would do the half mask type action. So I, I imagine this is one of his masks, but it isn't. So I'm. Someone out there will know. I don't think they're terrible. 
but producer Philip Hinchcliffe calls them lamentable in the commentary. I don't think they're that bad. Yeah, that's really harsh. Um, I mean, I, I, I much prefer... I'm really, first of all, I'm really, really glad that they've got masks and they're proper aliens because this could easily be one of those, I would call it like the planet of the tea, tea towel wearing people. Uh-huh. They're all just like, we are a peaceful people. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> and you're very boring and we can't wait for the monsters to come out. Would that be like, I don't know, like, like the Exelons or something like that? You know, the... Know, the Exelons, no, Exelons are proper monsters, isn't it? They're great. But you know what I mean? The ones hanging around on the planet of spiders. Oh, right. Jenny Laird, you mean? I'm not a word against Jane Or like in Nymon, you've got the yellow boiler suit gang. Or, you know, just Don't you touch through. the horns of Nymon. Right. <laughs> no, I would never touch the horns of Nymon. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they get these kind of tribes of people and they just literally just dress, dress them in smocks and beige. They're like, we are the planet of the beige. And yeah, like, I know what you mean. Whereas at least they've made a, they've made a race <clears> here and they've got, you can see they've got history, they've got nobility, they've got kind of art and culture, and they've, like, I really love them. And I, so I think the, um, I think they've got I close, love the Mars. close relationships with Gallifrey as well, because the Gallifrey symbol is everywhere in this. Okay, yes, it is. Now, this chap is doing his first go. Oh, at, it's uh, Look, he's hugging he's it. Go, he's hugging it. Well, it's an interesting choice. What he's trying to do is not to, he's like, I don't want to see, like, like I'm the one touching and holding it. So this is the back of his forearm <laughs> to sort of mean like he's not touching him, which is a, it's a strategy. It's not bad. To be honest, it's really difficult. I mean, like, if you want to try this at home, just pick up a Hoover attachment and, and simultaneously try and hold it to you and like you're throwing it off you. It's... Uh, uh, I think that's what I'll be doing this afternoon now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll do it most weekends, to be honest. Oh, now you I see this, the, um, what's it called? Uh, front axial projection, where, the way they do yeah. the, um, the virus on the, the neck. They've perfected that here. It looks terrific looks absolutely bloody superb to be honest um i really i really love that and as a kid i remember being terrified by that Mm. horrible horrible image to have these veins on your neck and they'd they'd be bright whatever and aren't they and they're also it's quite nice they look quite similar to the ones they had in i want to say moon base moon base is it uh yeah the moon base yeah when they had the the sugar that caused the the virus and a bit and obviously it's the same effect as the green death as well uh when they did it there it's exactly the same thing But I just, I just think later on when when Sarah's infected and there's a whopping great close up of her neck and it genuinely yeah. looks like there is some evil bloody poison, yeah, and shooting nice through her veins. Like they've also they've done a nice bite mark on her neck as well. It's yeah. razor, so it looks terrible. And the fact it's on Sarah is just makes it. And also, of course, she's you know what? Incredibly. Oh, gosh, I'm going to say something else positive about this story. I'm on a roll it's here. Steady on now. Um, steady on. But do you see how he keeps shooting? Uh, in one set, looking out into another, like he's done that really? all over these sets so far, and there's a real sense of space. Definitely, I, I did notice in this all through the story. There's a great set. Okay, like because visually, it's not going to win any awards. This story, but like, um, he he does a lot of really interesting shots, lots of depth, lots yeah. of all kinds of stuff. He shoots it really, really interesting. Michael Bryan, I think he's done a really good job directing this. I think the direction generally on the story is really good. Do you know so Roger Murray Leach oh, set that yeah. set with mirrors with all kinds. I do miss the uh, the cryogenic chamber. I do miss that because that was pro- that was like the the highlight of those sets, wasn't it? But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, but it's a triumph. I mean, the, the, the arc a bit around the edge, the, oh, the sort of corridor that's curved. Yeah. And, you know, and he, and he's gone as far as he, I mean, he had no space, no money to build anything. 
but you just shot it. So that if you shoot it right, you just imagine it sort of all around you. I think that's a genius. Well, it's just always, it's, just, it's always just around the corner, isn't it? Just around the corner. It's so it's always suggesting that there's more space. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an absolute, like, example. It's one of the best sets in Doctor Who in terms yeah. of you're looking at, uh, just in terms of resourcefulness. Um, I, I think that's brilliant. So like, good. They frankly. used it twice. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's such a smart move yeah. as they're figuring out how to make this season and what an amazing season it is. Um, and I think just to reuse that, because as a viewer or a kid, you're just like, oh, it's a spaceship. You know, most casual viewers go, they're on some spaceship and that's all you need to know. But for us, um, and they bother doing the script, you know, they refer to, you know, uh, their other time in the arc and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's, it's incredibly clever. It I really um, love that kind of interlinking weave to this season, how the TARDIS isn't used at all. You go from yeah, uh, the yeah. transmat down to some time experiment, then the yeah. Time Lords take them to Genesis of the Daleks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, what is it? The Time Ring that takes them to here. That's it. Yeah, really, really nice. This prop, <clears> of course, <throat> this is the wonderful hairbrush brush airbrush radio prop uh used in live and let die and apparently right. so roger moore was at yeah. the bbc and according to him um he just sort of said i was there at the bbc and i thought oh they're filming doctor who and i thought oh, the poor old loves haven't got any money let's just drop them this round um and just uh, apparently that's how it went so um do you think that's I'm one of those fables do you think that that's how it it's, happened it's i <clears> uh, it's because that's a good that's a good enough story for me yeah if someone can't with that story i'll happily take it but um yeah but apparently it came from roger moore that, that effect is. there did you see did you see them on on that transmitter like the screen the monitor, yeah. so they're, they're they're kind of perfecting cso as well michael <laughs> michael they... bryan was not scared of trying things technically sometimes like the green death a couple of times he falls flat on his face i think in yeah. this a lot of the technical stuff he does it really works definitely and it's, and it's like, how else are you going to push something forward unless you really really try and he uses it in so many different ways you know cso and projection generally whether it's the veins um on the neck here or like the um the like really like insanely ambitious stuff like them all rolling around in space overlapping oh, yeah. like, <laughs> that is so ambitious but, like get on oh, you it's and again four year old me would have gone they're rolling through space what's the problem like i would never i can't i there's no question about it. Do you know what as well? Um, it would have been so easy for them to have been given like space lasers in this. And yet they're all firing like um rifles, aren't they? They're all firing like yeah. bullets. I think that adds a it's, nice touch of realism because in the Ark in Space there was those dreadful guns that opened up like flowers them, yeah, the, with a blue blob that appeared on people and you know, it was a bit yeah, that. everyone's wearing the white space flares and it's all a bit um I mean it's, it's obviously Arkham Space is great, but there is a different tone to this completely mm. like there is a kind of grit like it's actually quite grim the there's, of, this, the, of episode one. It's there's a death toll in this. When I pre watched this, I was surprised at just how many people get massacred in this story. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it feels sparse and it feels grim, and they're talking about body counts and having separate mortuary, and it's um, it, I mean, the, the music is also is, is very very sparse in especially in this first episode, so it's um, it it's quite grim, and I, th I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of people say that this story is boring. A lot of people go it's very flat and very boring, and, and it has got the story absolutely has a flatness to it, but it's um, it, all this stuff in the art that we're doing here is is very played very straight there's real drama and it's um it's great well this is what i so i said to you before something surprised me about watching this story because i've never yeah, really enjoyed this it? before so i watched this first episode and i uh -huh. i was with a growing sense of oh god this is so <laughs> boring like how are we going to talk about this by the time i got to episode three 
really excited. There is action galore. And in episode four as well, I found like the latter half of the story really dynamic when I was watching it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like, at heart, what you got, what kind of this all comes down to is, um, I mean, I think I think the story gets an awful lot of flack for not being something. Yes, um, it's very yeah, hard. Yeah, people, yeah. people people don't tend to, you know, people give a lot of flack for not being Jerry Davis's best or not being the best Cyberman story, and you know, I think people give not, it more flack for it not being Genesis of the Daleks, which came before yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Because I think exactly. what people were expecting was, okay, so that was amazing, an amazing Dalek story. They're going to follow that up with an incredible Cyberman story. And then this, oh, please. Do you know what? I'm starting to notice that there are some very phallic spaceships in Doctor Who. There are indeed. It's um... no, Nothing quite beats the, I was watching Android Invasion recently, and the rocket in that was something else. But I this Cyberman, this Cyberman ship, yeah. I think you might see that in a Victoria's Secrets catalogue. <laughs> in space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, say, I think, I think the, the real, the, I think the simple deal with the story is like the actual story, the writing of it, is, is you know, Jerry Davis's, it, it sort of passes, but it's just, it feels like a 60s throwback. It's um, clunky, it, isn't it? It, it feels yeah. like, he's doing it ter- like Terry Nation. I was like, we had several very similar Dalek stories from him. And then after a while, they just become not good enough. But I think, the so, so the, the the story itself isn't that exciting. It's written. I don't know that um, Philip Hinchcliffe and uh, Robert Holmes really, really, really took, just try hard just to pump some life into it, and, like yeah. add more layers of character and add more stuff. It's quite hard to do if your foundation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if, if you've got a really big, rich story and you need to pare it down, that's one thing. Having a fairly thin story and having to build on top of it is never going to be as good. I so think I think you can pinpoint where Robert Holmes has written in dialogue and where you're looking at Jerry Davis style. That bit there where Sarah just said, you know, if the Doctor sent it a rat commander, he'll find one. That's Jerry Davis. Later on, when Sarah and Harry are bitching at each other in the cave, that's Robert Holmes. Right. But yeah. unfortunately, yeah. it's really jarring because it goes between, the, like, sublime dialogue and really terrible dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, that, that's the that's the problem of it at a root, and that's it at heart. So, But I think you can only look at what, what is there and what we did get and some of what we did get including their sort of embellishments and the various things they've done to try and really breathe some life into it yeah. just bloody great they, they added also, to, the, like, to the music didn't they like the music was carrie blyton who yeah did an interesting score for death to the Daleks, which i happen to love yeah. but it's it's because he was out yeah potentially detrimental to the action and i think uh-huh. philip hinchcliffe noticed that here and then asked uh peter howard the radiophonic workshop to add to the music and you can actually hear where there's been electronic stuff added but it is better for it so there are bits yeah. like where the cybermen dock and some of that and you can hear the electronic music yeah. pumping in and it's really yeah. good so i think in some ways they did add some decent layers to the story yeah i think they did like ideally like if you did have i know they wanted to try something different from dudley simpson it's just it, it's a bit of a shame on this one because it needs all the help you can get so you need yeah basically you need to if, if the story isn't really that strong you need everything else to be working as like i think they learned as well yeah. though didn't they in the philip hinchcliffe era that dudley simpson's music that kind of gothic you know heavy organs Orchestra, and things like that yeah. It works really well with the tone that they were trying to set. Yes. Yeah. 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 And also, it's like well, it's, a, it's a miracle this program ever makes on screen. Look at the. Sorry to interrupt. Look at the dev yeah. in that shot. You're going yeah, through about right. four so rooms there. 
yeah, they can stretch out through the corridors, and you can see about one, two, three, four layers of corridor through. Okay, we need to have a moment here. Sarah has just accidentally switched on the monitor and is looking at this space documentary. She's got a idea. I remember when I first watched this, I loved all this stuff of having to get across um, the room. I thought, yeah. And I, 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 feel, I think I may have, like, reenacted this in my bedroom. I definitely remember me and my sister on the on wardrobe door swinging around. Uh, do you know what my, my most embarrassing reenactment ever was? And I can't believe I'm going to admit this. But uh, you remember the end of episode one of Revelation of the Daleks for that? Statue falls on Colin Baker. Yes. So I played out yes. that whole scene and then threw my own wardrobe on myself. <laughs> that that's a commitment and then oh here we go blurry and blank and we here we go podcast. this is how we got here so this side one this is terrifying and the music and the sound mm. of this really sell it i mean this lady sorry i can't talk to this it's too good i'm gonna try to her reaction the alarming horror of this see that's clever because because her her arm's out of shot so you can't really see that she's holding that you as far as I'm concerned, you can't touch that cliffhanger. That's, to me, that's probably one of the best, not only cliffhangers, but one of the best moments in Doctor Who. Because that's I was terrific. Four. And then, you like, not long after, you've got to go to bed. Mm. And it's like four years old. I mean, I would, I would hesitate about showing that to a four-year-old. Well, you, you remember my story about Battlefield when I thought Ace had died and I cried all night? Yeah. This is like the equivalent yeah. of that for a four-year-old. And what's fab, and we're going to come to this in a minute, is it's not a quick fix. It takes about 10 minutes into the next episode for her to be cured, which I yeah. quite like, because some top two cliffhangers are like, okay, there's the danger. Oh no, it was false danger all along, you know? Yeah, and the and along with the, uh, the, the, the cliffhangers build too, as we'll see. 